I thought I was going to have to say, hi, stop that. <laughs> but that didn't need to happen. Uh, brethren, uh, brothers and sisters, it's a real, real great pleasure to, to stand here and bring God's word to us. Uh, I've spent quite some time praying about this uh, sermon than I actually did writing. <laughs> and I think that at a point, Chris was really getting concerned and worried if I was ever going to be ready. And you can understand, you know, he kept saying, are you ready? I think he was scared that he will have to do the preaching today. <laughs> because, I mean, I, I wasn't going to, to put anything down until I was sure precisely what God wanted us to hear. There was no point coming to speak here if it is not the heart of God for us as his children and as a church in this community. We have been going through the series of teachings on Elijah as a prophet of God. And we've heard these past three weeks. I'm the fourth person speaking, and so I'm pretty well situated. I don't have to go about all the history and all that stuff. But, you see, Elijah as a prophet was one who seemed, in my opinion, to have had a clear, very clear understanding of the call of God on his life. So when you look at what he did with the Shunammite woman, when you see what he did with the, the young slave girl, I mean the story of the young slave girl with Neman coming in, you will see someone who appeared to be so focused in achieving the purpose of God for his life. He wasn't messing around at all. He didn't seem to have time for that. And at every point in time, he seemed to be focused on one subject, bringing the healing of God into a, a, a country or a nation that had completely lost it. Israel at this point in time, as Chris pointed out to us when he started, Israel had completely lost it. They were in a mess. They had moved away from the God who called them apart to be a special people to himself. They had gone away and they were doing their own thing. They were serving themselves. They were serving idols and very bad, wicked idols. They were not, they were not following in the footsteps of God at all. Elijah, the man that, whose anointing fell on Elisha, was, uh, he was pretty hot. He was really hot. But you see, when you compare Elisha, Elisha to Elijah, you see a clear difference. Whereas Elijah wanted to see God's fire come down and really consume everything that was completely wrong with Israel, Elijah seemed to have been focused on doing it differently. You see, when I gave my life to Christ, we, we were quite focused on seeing Elijah's fire come down. So we used to sing, God, I want to be another Elijah here. Send down the fire, let your fire fall. You know, we wanted to see miracle signs and wonders happening all the time. And if someone offended us, or we felt that somebody was standing on our way, we were quite willing to say, God, just root this person. If you have to kill him, kill him and take him out of our way. 
that was, that was the kind of, of attitude that we had when I gave my life to Christ in the uni. It was not about messing around at all. And I, I think pretty much it was very much like that of Elijah. But you see, when, once God said to Elijah, you are going to have to go to heaven, I'm going to take you away, he said three things to him. And I think that I wanted us to really get into these. Three things he said to Elijah. One, go anoint Elijah to stand in your place as prophet. Two, go anoint Jehu to begin the cleansing process of the house of Ahab and Jezebel. Three, anoint Hazel to become king over Syria to completely root away the enemies of God's people. Three things. So that anointing, the prophetic anointing, specifically came on Elijah. The kingly anointing or the anointing to execute judgment was taken out and placed on two separate individuals. On Jehu to become king in Israel and Hazel to become king in Syria. And when you read the stories of what Jehu and Hazel did, they were atrocious. Jehu, for instance, simply looked at Jezebel as she pranced around from the window and said, just throw her down. Just kill her. He says, bring all the descendants of, of, of Ahab, gathered an entire clan together. And they say, who is on the Lord's side? I am. Say, kill all of them. So judgment was really fierce. It was about cleansing Israel. But Elisha's role was to bring healing and the love of God to that land. So brothers and sisters, before we start reading the story of today, you see the, 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 the topic here or the, the, the theme of this message is we have a heritage. It's very direct. We, you and I, we have a heritage. You see, today we are sat in a church that was planted by a man that in his days was referred to as a prince of preachers. I mean, I've I, I done, done a bit of reading around, around Charles Spurgeon. Not just now, but in my early years as a Christian, two British uh, uh, Christians I read quite a lot about, Smith Wigglesworth and Charles Spurgeon. Wigglesworth was, was somebody who was in the revivalist era. You know, it was all about revival. Reverend Spurgeon was all about getting people born again, getting to know Jesus Christ, expanding the frontiers of the kingdom of God, diminishing in every place, especially in London, every place where the enemy seemed to have been in charge. He expounded, he preached the word with a lot of favor. And people loved to listen to him. He was very much not in the realm of being a nice preacher. He didn't speak kindly to people who, who, preachers especially, who chose to condone sin and be nice about it. So we have that heritage as city hopers. We, as, we, are, we are inheritors of a heritage of one who was passionate 
about expanding the kingdom of God. That was, his, that was what he did, and that is the heritage we have. And unless we understand this, we will keep thinking that it's all about coming to church. It's beyond that. Brothers and sisters, it is well beyond that. Our call is to do something very spectacular, to make sure that the kingdom of God grows, expanded, and breaks frontiers in this community. Praise God. I'm going to just invite us to a short session of personal prayers. Okay, we pray. Let's talk to God. I put some three prayer points here. I hope they are clear enough. Yeah. I just want to invite us to pray. Talk to God in your own way. Don't feel shy by speaking to God. Don't look at your neighbor. Don't, don't, don't pay attention to what your neighbor is doing. Just talk to God. Please, uh, yeah, if we just have the music on, and we just talk to God. Just talk to God. All right? Focus on these three prayer points for yourself and for this community. Praise God. You have to understand your purpose. Why are you born again? Why are you a child of God? Discouraged and is losing faith. Lord Jesus, pour out your spirit, Lord. Let everyone that is here today, Lord, let them experience your touch. Let them experience, oh Lord, that you really, really love them. Let every one of us know that how much you care for us, how much you love us, how much you want us, oh Lord, to serve you. area where there is disappointment in our lives. Oh Lord, renew hope. Renew hope, Lord. Renew hope, Lord. In every area where, oh Lord, we are feeling down and we think that all is lost. Lift us up, oh God. Let barriers be broken in our lives. You are God, Lord Jesus. With you, Lord, nothing is impossible. No situation is too hard. Nothing is impossible to you, almighty God. You spoke the heavens and the earth, and everything that is in them, you spoke them into reality. You spoke them into be. Let this become our testimony that you can heal all, 
that you can deliver, Lord. That you can save, Lord. That you can bring hope afresh into our lives. Even where, Lord, the enemy has covered us all the shame. Lord, remove the cloak of shame that the enemy has placed over our lives. Remove, oh Lord, every cloak of shame. Let us feel your presence in us. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, oh Lord, for heeding our cry this morning. Thank you, Lord, for answering our prayers. In Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Our scripture passage is taken from 2 Kings 6. 2 Kings 6. Thank you. See, when the king of Syria was warring against Israel, after counseling with his servants, he said, In such and such a place shall my camp be. Then the man of God sent to the king of Israel, saying, Beware that you pass not such a place, for the Syrians are coming down there. Then the king of Israel said to the place of which Elisha told and warned him, and thus he protected and saved himself there repeatedly. Therefore, the mind of the king of Syria was greatly troubled by this thing. He called his servants and said, Will you show me who of us is for the king of Israel? One of his servants said, None, my lord, O king, but Elijah the prophet who is in Israel tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedchamber. He said, go and see where he is, that I may send and seize him. And it was told him, he's in Dothan. So the king of Syria sent their horses, chariots, and a great army. They came by night and surrounded the city. When the servant of the man of God rose early and went out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was around the city. Elijah's servant said to him, Alas! My master, what shall we do? Elijah answered, Fear not, for those with us are more than those with them. Then Elijah prayed, Lord, I pray you, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the young man's eyes, and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elijah. And when the Syrians came down to him, Elijah prayed to the Lord, Smite these people with blindness, I pray you. And God smote them with blindness, as Elijah asked. Elijah said to the Syrians, This is not the way or, or the city. Follow me, and I will bring you to the, to the man whom you seek. And he led them to Samaria, that is to Israel. And when they had come into Samaria, Elisha said, Lord, open the eyes of these men that they may see. And the Lord opened their eyes, and they saw. And behold, they were in the midst of Samaria. Verse 21. When the king of Israel saw them, he said to Elisha, My father, shall I slay them? Shall I slay them? Elisha answered, You shall not slay them. Would you slay those you have taken captive with your sword and bow? Set bread and water before them that they may eat and drink 
and return to their master. Praise God. What an awesome story to hear. You imagine an army encamping around you to destroy you. And you having the power, you know you have the power to ask the Lord to say, take these people out. And you didn't do that. You have the power, you know. You know, just very much like Jesus Christ in the Garden of Gethsemane. And Peter saying, just bringing out his sword and chopping off someone's ear. Jesus says at that point, look, do you think if I needed an army to deal with these folks that I couldn't get that from the Father? I could. All I needed to do is ask God the Father to send an army. In this instance, Elisha didn't even need to go through all that land. Say, Father, open the eyes of this my young man. Let him see. Let him see those who are for us. He had the power to do it, but he didn't. He played a very wise trick on them. He says, blind them, Lord. Just make them blind. So the angry to see me, to fight me. I will become their friend. And he led them right into the camp. Surrounded now by the Israeli army. The chaser became the chased. The pursuer became the pursued. The mighty became the weak. The oppressor became the oppressed. I mean, they were terrified. Who wouldn't be? And as you and I will probably react, the king of Israel says, Lord, my master, my father, you, the prophet, because that was how they referred to, the, to, to, to prophets of those days. My father, what should I do? Should I just slaughter all of them? After all, they are enemies. They came to kill you. Should I kill them? He says, no, Lord. No, no, king. You don't do that. You know, something struck me here. That even though there were no written laws of engagement in war, God showed his mercies through his prophet to, to these people. And looking at the story, three things came out clearly to me about the man Elisha. In this story, we see that Elisha was very active as a prophet. He was very up to date as a prophet. Now, if you look at the preceding verses, you will see that Elisha constantly spent his time in the company of prophets. In this same chapter, he spent his time in the company of prophets. Just the first four or five verses before this story. So the first thing was this. The company that Elisha kept was important in maintaining his prophetic ministry. I think it was Rebecca that was speaking about this last time when she spoke. The company you keep is important. If as a child of God, if as a Christian, you keep the wrong company and you are not 
able to always take yourself away from that, from their, their gibbering, from the things they say, from the things they do, you might end up diminishing the call of God or the anointing of God on your life. Let me give you an example. And it's about, again, about me. When I first gave my life to Christ, one of our sisters had died suddenly in a very different town. And we said, we've read in the Bible, Jesus says, the things I do, you will also do. Jesus raised the dead. We are going over to raise this girl. And we boarded a bus. Actually, took, took a bus and traveled about 500 kilometers. We went straight. By the time we got there, they're taking the body to the church for burial. We went straight to the church. And we demanded, look, we want, to, we want to speak over this body. We want this girl to rise from the dead. They said, no, you can't come into the church. We said, no, we have to come into the church. We were young, young men, university students who thought we could. You know how it's like for the boys. You, know, you think that you can bite the bullet as it's flying. We said, no, we have to go into this church. They wouldn't allow us. And we made a lot of force. And we broke down, we cried, and we wait. Let us go in. This girl will rise. They wouldn't let us. You know, we left that place so broken that for some of us, we will have lost faith. This is the point I'm making. We will have lost faith. Because they wouldn't even allow us to pray over the girl. They wouldn't allow us to approach the girl. It was in a Catholic church, and therefore, as far as we are concerned, God had not answered our prayers. Because we pray that they will allow us get close enough to pray over this girl. Now, why is it that I was able to remain a Christian after this incident? Because it really, really touched me. It really, really affected me. It was simply because I kept company at that point in time with people that we could encourage ourselves. We were able to encourage ourselves in the faith. We continue to say to ourselves, if God wanted it to happen, he would have opened the way for us to raise that girl from the dead. He would have made it possible. So Elijah kept company with the right people. And it is something that I want to encourage us to also learn to do. The second point was this. Elijah was a man of great faith. From all that we have seen, story one, story two, that is with Chris, with Sarah, with Rebecca, constantly you saw Elisha demonstrating faith. And now what is faith? In my opinion, faith is your ability to get up and see something that only God can do and you say, I am going to speak about this and tell God to do it. Something that is pretty hopeless. Let's put it that way. So, for instance, we talk about healing in this church. This is, one, this is something that I see quite often here. Is it? Or we see quite often. We talk about healing here. 
You've used your tablets. You've used your ejections. You've done everything. And it's not working. And somebody simply prays over you. Either goes away instantly or in a couple of days, you feel completely whole. Where man fails, God steps in. Faith is this, that we are able to believe God enough that regardless of what the enemy is throwing at us, regardless of where we find ourselves, whether we are in the valley, deep down, broken, oppressed, we are able to believe enough that Jesus Christ remains Lord. We are able to believe enough that Jesus Christ loves us. We are able to believe enough that Jesus Christ answers prayers. That is what separates us as brothers and sisters, as God's children from the rest of the world. What makes you different is that you believe enough in a God who has the capability, the capacity, and love deep enough, cares enough for you to step into your situation regardless of where you are at. That is faith. You see, I'm trying to not go into quoting scriptures by saying faith is the evidence of things. No, I'm trying to not do that. Because that makes it become just wordy. I'm just speaking words that you will find in scriptures. Unless you believe enough what the Bible says, and you are willing to take it into practice, regardless of the challenges, you cannot experience God's intervention in your life. Sometimes you are going to be disappointed, like I just said about uh, traveling that long distance to raise a girl from the dead. Sometimes you are going to have exhilarating joy when you see God answers prayer. One of the best experiences you are going to have, brothers and sisters, is praying and seeing God bring it to pass. I tell you there is nothing compared to it. When you ask God for a thing and it happens, the day I got filled with the Holy Ghost, I was wearing a trouser that is cream color. I still remember that precisely. <laughs> and it was in the university auditorium. And we were sat down just as we are sitting here. And we were just worshiping God and singing praises to God. And then, vroom. And I went on the floor. In worshiping God. And you know, the floor was dirty and red. <laughs> when I got up, the first thing I did was to run out of that auditorium to another faculty to call my cousin to say, Come, I have received the Holy Ghost. He took one look at me and said, Oh. If that is what the Holy Spirit does to people, I'm not having any of it. <laughs> but I couldn't care. I couldn't be bothered. All I knew was that I was feeling something inside of me far beyond what the world could ever give to me. Far beyond what alcohol would give to me. Far beyond what cigarettes would give to me. Far beyond what anyone, anything could give to me. 
And that is what it's like when God answers your prayers. When you pray for the sick, they are healed. When you see the demon possessed and you speak, I say, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you, demon spirit, come out. And you see it happen. When you say, I don't have money, and you speak to God, and God steps in and provides the means by which way ever you don't know, then you are assured of this thing, that God answers prayers. But until and unless you are willing to step out and speak and ask God and take steps of faith, you cannot experience this. And therefore, there is no way you are ever going to be happy truly as a Christian. And that was what Elijah kept doing. Elijah acted on faith all the time. And because of that, every single time, power came into his every intervention. Because he was willing to keep testing. That is what Jesus Christ has called us to do. Jesus says, do it, just go out and speak. So we see in this situation, completely hopeless. For the soldiers that have led into Samaria. Elisha, because of spiritual awareness, because of his faith life, because of what he has experienced in God's presence, understood, one, that God surrounds him all the time with an army to defend him. Two, that God was willing to protect him. And God was ready to protect him. Three, that God, this God that he talks about is a merciful God. is a loving God. And yet he's such a powerful God. You know, as I said earlier, I said, at this point in time, I think that in, at this period of time in, in Israel's life, God was at the point of cleansing and healing the place. So you see generosity in the life of, of, of Elisha. You see God's kind-heartedness. You see God's love poured out even against the enemy. And instead of destruction, he leads the people that has come against him into the place of peace. He says provide for them. Feed them. No wonder when the king of Syria began to ask, who amongst you is betraying us? Right within his camp, right in Syria, Elisha already had disciples. Don't forget Naaman was, was a Syrian. He was already a convert. You know, when Naaman was leaving, he says, can I go with sand from Israel? So that when I get back, I will be using this as, as my altar. Then I was already a convert in Syria. Act of love. 
I bet you every single person who was in this army returning to, to, to Syria, their lives will never be the same again. And God calls us into the same ministry, into the same pattern of living. He says, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is God's faithfulness. God expects us to demonstrate love. But God also expects us to demonstrate faith. Great faith that challenges our views of what he should be like as Christians. Praise God. So what is, your, what is your challenge? What are you facing today that you think is impossible? What is that thing you think God has abandoned you to? Or you think man has abandoned you to? Or you think that the people around you all hate you? You think they don't want to see you? You think they want to destroy you? If you will rise up like Elisha did at this point in time in faith, if you will challenge God to act on your behalf, if you are willing to get up and say, God, just demonstrate your presence with me, demonstrate your power, and let everyone, everyone around me see that you are God for me. If you will just do it, Lord. Praise God. So we are going to be rounding off. And I just want us to bow our heads in prayers. I'm going to invite Chris. We join faith together and pray with you. That as you leave this place today, that you will feel challenged enough in every simple thing, every big thing of your life, that you begin to, to be willing to stand up. It doesn't matter what you think you are going through. And it does not matter what you think your neighbors, your friends, your family is going through. Be willing to get up and speak the word of God into their situation, into their lives by faith. Not you doing it. It is God that does it. You don't have the power to do anything. I don't have the power to do anything. But God has the power and he has the capability and he loves you enough to want to act on your behalf and bring healing and bring deliverance, and bring salvation into, into your home, into your family, into your situation, into your workplace. Let's begin to talk to God. Vic, please, if you come.